Okay. Bogotov. Um So today's daf is daf yud, and we start at the bottom of settlement bath, the two dots, or two-thirds down, and we have talked about a sukkah underneath a tree, where big que- if the tree has more shade than sunlight, the overhang, then it's totally invalid, it's under another roof. If it's less shade than sunlight, then there's a, then there's a big question, and we've shown them how to interpret the Gemara. It's a problem, but is it a problem because um, you can't use the shade provided by the tree, but it doesn't create a new problem, or is it that it actually invalidates the stock directly below it? Um, which is how we ruled, or tend to rule, but um, nevertheless, it's not so clear from the Gemara. And the other issue is that if you have Puffle and Kajasrach mixed up together in a sort of, in a non-distinguishable way, then you judge the entirety of the Sach by the majority. So now we pick up by the two dots, the second part of the Mishnah, which is a Sukkah under a Sukkah, even if there are two Kajasrachs, if there's a special invalidity of being in a sukkah below a sukkah, so a double-decker sukkah, and we'll see how that's defined. So let's take a look where this comes from. Sukkah tachas a sukkah. Sukkah excuse me. Tanur abanan, the sukkot teishu shivat yamin, you shall dwell in sukkot. Below, in sukkot, below the sukkah tachas a sukkah, not in the sukkah under a sukkah, below the sukkah tachas a sukkah, not under a tree, below the sukkah tachas a sukkah, but it's not in the house. So the last two are the most obvious, because they're not the... You know, there's a non-kosher roof that's above them, um, so that can invalidate the idea of the schach to find this roof. But what's the problem of a sukkah under a sukkah? Just use the top roof. Like, what's exactly the problem? So the Gemara, and so the Gemara says, and where are you getting it from? The verse Adraba says the Gemara. The opposite makes sense. But Sukkot in the in Sukkot you shall dwell in the plural. Tarkimashma. It sounds like two. It sounds like plural. So you can even dwell in multiple Sukkot. Um, so even in the sukkah sukkah, maybe specifically, maybe it's better sukkah sukkah. It says sukkah in the plural. So Amar Rav Nachman by Yitzchak Basukachti. So you'll remember this before from the whole discussion of walls that the Gemara picks up on the fact that it's re- read Basukot in the plural, but it's read Basukach without a vav, and therefore the way it is written rather, and therefore the way it's written somehow dictates that it should only be a single sukkah which is, again, a pretty funny basis, because even though it is written that way, you know, that from there we should learn out only one, when the way it's read is in the plural, but nevertheless, that's the principle, wherever we get it from, that a sukkah under a sukkah is no good. So, Amr Rabbi Yirmiya, so says Rabbi Yirmiya, Pamim Shishem Sherot, Pamim Shishem Psulot, Pamim Shetachtonah Shera Vel Yonah Psula, Pamim Shetachtonah Psula Vel Yonah Shera, it says you can make like a chart of all four possibilities, right? So there are four possibilities here. There's a sukkah below, a sukkah above. They could both be, um, I can give you a scenario where they're both good. I can give you a scenario where they're both not good. I can give you a scenario where the top is good and the bottom isn't. I can give you a scenario where the bottom is good and the top isn't. Okay. Um, so, how do you do this? Let's break it down. I mean, to say, okay, right. how do you get them both being kosher? Since we just said that a sukkah under a sukkah is invalid. So, hey, he dummy, what's the case? The bottom one has more sun than shade, so meaning the bottom one doesn't really have kosher schach, doesn't have sufficient schach. And the top one has more shade than sunlight. So in that case, the bottom one, I mean, it's a little trick, because the bottom one isn't really yet a sukkah, because the bottom one doesn't have enough shade. So the real shade of the bottom is the schach of the top. So that's why they're both good, because there's really only one schach, and it's the schach on the top. The kaimel yonah betok esrim, and the top one is within 20 amot, 
I mean, it's not higher than 20 amot from its own floor. Not doesn't really matter from the floor of the ground. You could build a sukkah on a rooftop, but it's not 20 amot hatal. So the top one schach is kasher, and therefore they're both good because they're both really just using the top schach of the top one. Okay. Panim shetayim sulos. The case where they're both invalid. Eifidami. What's the case? You go into trabayu tivatan meruba nechanatan. Both of them have more shade than sunlight. Okay, so we get why the bottom is no good, because that's a schach under a schach. They're both legitimate schach. But why is the top not good? For the following reason. The top one is, is bigger than 20 amot, right? Going back to the invalidity at the beginning of the Masechet. So since the top is bigger than 20 amot, its schach is invalid, but that doesn't make the top bottom one any better, right? The scenario is, yeah, here we go. Here's a picture of the sukkah on top of a sukkah. So they both have good schach, so the bottom is invalid because it's under, it's under a second schach. And the top one is super tall, like 20 amos tall. So the top one is invalid because it's too big of a sukkah. And that doesn't make the bottom one any better because the bottom one is under, it's under an other schach, either other kasha schach or other puzzle schach. Either way, the bottom one's invalid. Okay. You can have the case where the bottom is kosher and the top is invalid. Hey, dummy, what's the case? The, either case. The bottom one is more shade than sunlight. Um, and the top one is more sunlight than shade. Okay? They're both within 20, meaning... You know, you don't even really have to say they're both within 20, just the bottom is within 20. But even if they're both within 20. So you have a normal sukkah under a sukkah, normal height, but the bottom one is kosher because it has enough shade, and the schach is puzzle because it doesn't have enough shade, and that's why the bottom remains kosher. Because since the schach on top, the second layer of schach, is not more shade than sunlight, it doesn't invalidate, right? It only invalidates when they're both kosher schach if the top one is more shade than sunlight. But it, I, I might have misheard it a minute ago. But if it's more sunlight than shade, then the top one isn't really considered to be schach. And since the top one isn't schach, it doesn't invalidate what is below it. Is that clear? Yeah. So actually, it's an interesting question because you actually need to raise a different scenario, which is, and the mother will get to something like this in a minute. Right? So this is the case that this is sufficient. That's, you know, enough schach. And this is like a little bit of schach. And therefore, the top is no good because it doesn't have enough schach, and the bottom is good because it's not schach under schach, because that's not a second schach. But what if the top one did not have enough shade? What if the top, I mean the bottom one, what if the bottom one also was a little bit sparse? Could the bottom be kosher by combining the schach above and the schach below? Right, that's an interesting question. Okay, I'm going to leave that open-ended now, but in theory, why couldn't that even be good? But the Gemara makes it easier and says that this is sufficient schach, so the bottom is good, and the top doesn't make a problem, and the top is no good because it's insufficient schach. Okay, and now the Gemara continues. Um, okay. Pamim shel yonak psula, and there are times where the top is kosher and the bottom is no good. Well, that's obvious. That's your standard sukkah tachas hasukkah, right? The top is good and the bottom is no good. Hechi dami, what's the case? They both have more shade than sunlight. The kaimel yonah betochesri, and the top one is less than 20 amot. So the top one is good. It's got enough schach and it's not too high. Again, not too high doesn't really have to mean not too high from the ground floor, not too high from its own floor. Um, and um, so the top is a totally kosher sukkah, and the bottom is invalid because it's a sukkah tachas hasukkah. Very easy. Okay, so the Gemara says pshita. That's all obvious. No, tachtona kshiravel yonapsula itzchay. The chiddush is the case, the second to last case, 
or the bottom is kosher and the top is invalid and we said it's invalid because it does not it has you know um, less it does not have um, sufficient schach and that's why the bottom one remains kosher I might have thought Maybe the invalid schach will connect with the valid schach. Kamash, it's teaching us not that way. Now, what does that mean that the invalid schach will connect with the kasha schach? What's invalid here? Right? You've only got like you know you, you you've only got a little bit. It's more shade than sunlight. Where, what's the invalidity created? So it's a big debate how to read this. I'll just tell you when Rashi needs it is. I might be afraid that if we allow that, we'll come to allow a case when it's higher than 20. And when it's higher than 20, the schach becomes invalid. It's not just not sufficient, it's invalid. And if it's invalid, it would invalidate the schach below it. Okay, that's how Raji reads, reads the concern. So yes, this case is obvious. It's, there's not enough schach. It's not, the schach isn't a problem, it's just not enough, it doesn't invalidate. But maybe I shouldn't allow it because if it was higher, that would make this invalid schach and that would create a problem like being under a tree with some branches that could create a problem. Okay, it's a debate whether that really would create a problem or not, but anyway, that's the way Rashi reads it. Okay, now the Gemara says like this. Is a rule with the upper upper, uh, not uh, inhabited? Right, we're going to get to the, even not inhabited, we're going to get to the inhabited idea of Rev Yehuda at the end of the Mishnah later. But this, until now, we're just talking about the very physical reality of another sukkah invalidates and actually we're now going to turn to the point that it's even beyond the issue of not being inhabited um, it even could be a very tiny second sukkah so let's take a look so the Gemara says like this what is the gap between the top schach and the bottom schach that would invalidate the bottom simple case right two full layers of schach if it's considered to be a sukkah under a sukkah, how high does the top schach, what's the gap that has to be that it's not considered just one unit of schach. It's considered to be two units and the top one invalidates the one below it. So my intuition would have been, and I think yours would have been, has to be ten schachim. The top one has to be defined as a sukkah, right? A sukkah under a sukkah. The minimum sukkah height is ten schachim. So that we're going to say at the end. But the first answers are going to say, no, the top doesn't even have to be a sukkah to invalidate the thing below it. It just has to be a schach, a separate shade. Once it's defined as like a separate canopy, you know, that invalidates below it, even if it's not defined as a separate sukkah. Remember, again, the word sukkah, often for the Gemara, means schach. So if sukkah tachaf sukkah is invalid, a sukkah under a sukkah, that could easily mean a schach under a schach. And then the real only question is, how much of a gap is needed to identify this other layer as a second schach? Okay, so that's the question. So let's take a look. Amar Afuna tefach. So Afuna says, even if there's just a tefach gap between them, just like three, and a, three, three and a half inches, why is that enough to define it as a second schach? Shekein matinu tum'ah tefach. This is we find by the, um, by the canop- by, by an ohel, like an o- you know, a canopy, a roof, for Tumah, that a tefach is what matters, right? What's the story by Tumah? You have here, right, this, this dead body, you know, you've got this, uh, you know, you've got this thing here, which is, a de- which is, you know, your dead body, right? So if, um, so if, uh, if there is a roof on top of it, right, so everything under the roof is Tameh, but the roof also stops the Tumah from going above it. If there's no roof on top of it, you could be right next to it and be Tahor, but if you're above it, nothing stops and it makes you Tameh. So how high does the roof have to be to be considered a roof? 
Okay, what's the space between the floor and the top and the roof in order for that to be considered a roof? And the answer is a tafach. Okay, once it's a tafach, it's considered to be a roof. So if that's what defines a roof by tumah, then that should define a separate roof by sukkah. You've got a gap of a tefach. The top layer is serving as a distinct roof to the area below it. So let's take a look. That's what he says. Titnan, we call it in the Mishnah. Tefach al tefach, the Rome tefach. If you have a tefach by tefach area by, and a tefach high, so maybe etatumah. So your roof is a tefach off of the ground, and the sort of space that it's and and the, and the uh, area of the roof is a tefach by a tefach, you know, wide. Then it causes tumah to spread underneath it. and is a barrier for the tumah to go above it. Anything directly above is okay. Anything underneath the same roof is no good. If it is shorter, less than a tefach off the ground, a tefach high. Lo mevi velo chotzeit. It neither brings the tumah to things underneath it, and uh, but it also does not is not a barrier, and the things directly above it would be tameh. So what you see is, is that once something is a tefach, a, something is serving as a roof to a tefach underneath it, that defines it as a roof. So here too, that would define it as separate schach. The idea is not to be a sukkah under sukkah, but it is schach under schach, and it gets the identity of a schach, of, of doing this job of roofing, if you would, once there is a tefach gap. Okay, that's one answer. Rav Chizra, Rabbi Barafuna, Amri, Rav Chizra, Rabbi Barafuna say, Arba'a, fort fachim. One tefach isn't enough, it has to be fort fachim gap in order to serve as a roof underneath it. Why? The minimum size of a space is four tfachim. Now, what does that mean, the minimum size of a space? So the easiest example is a reshut hayachid, a private domain for Shabbat. What makes something a private domain for Shabbat? It is a space, four tfachim by four tfachim, about a foot by a foot, okay, which is, you know, ten tfachim high, with, uh, surrounded by walls ten tfachim high. So the minimum size of a significant space is four tfachim. That defines like a zone for Shabbat, you know, a domain for Shabbat. And therefore, that is what you need here, four tfachim height. The only problem is, is that by Shabbat, the idea of four by four defines like the ground space. You know, uh, if you're talking about like area, you know, what type of an area is a significant area? It has to be a foot by a foot. Less than that isn't significant. You can't call it a domain. But we're talking about height. What does the idea of how big the area have to do to give it significance to have to do with how high something has to be? So Tosa says there are some halachot that also force fucking the significance, like by certain halachas of a dead body, if you have an opening in your wall, in your house, Fort Fahim, you know, big, it could be considered like a doorway that has significance for the question of where you see that the mace is going to be carried. There are some halachot that a fourth type of height has significance. Although it is very rare, and therefore it is a funny position here of fourth Fahim, because normally fourth Fahim height is not a significant measure. Okay, but he basically felt that one type of is not enough, um, but did not go as far as the next statement, which is really going to be the next logical position. Position, which is ten tefachim. So let's take a look. The Shmuel Amar and Shmuel says asara ten tefachim. My time is the Shmuel. What's the reasoning of Shmuel? Kach psula. Like its validity, so is its invalidity. 
So, or like, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. So, the same way you can't have a kosher sukkah, it's validity, it needs to be ten fachim, it only is a sukkah to invalidate the space below it once it's ten fachim high. So, it basically seems to be saying is a very simple idea. It's not to define it as separate fachach, that maybe one tefach would be enough. It only invalidates when it's a separate sukkah. So, what do you need to be a separate sukkah, not just separate schach? The separate sukkah, you need ten tefachim. Anything less than ten tefachim, the thing above is not a sukkah. Very simple. Okay, let's see how far this idea of shmuel goes. Because that's certainly... So let's take a look at the Gemara. Tznan. We're talking about Mishnah. Rabbi Yehud Omer, in Ein Diorin Vel Yonah, HaTachtona Kshera. If nobody lives in the top one, the bottom one is kosher. Now, the simple read of Rabbi Yehuda is that he's really the shmuel idea to an extreme. It not only has to be a kosher sukkah in theory, it has to actually be used as a sukkah. You have to live in it, right? Really, really used as a sukkah. But the Gemara does not feel that Reb Yehuda, anybody would go that far, that it would actually have to, in act, you know, actuality be used, that that wouldn't change its identity, if it's, whether it's actually being used or not actually being used. So my ain diorin, what does it mean if nobody lives in it? Elaim diorin mamish, it's literally an issue. Are people actually living in it or not? So, um, so we're, um, Kagarmi, since when should whether people are actually using it be relevant for its identity? Which is a fascinating idea. But you know, they're saying if there's this invalidity called sukkah under a sukkah, it's a question of what label you assign the structure above. And that label isn't going to change if people happen to be using it, right? You'll say that this is an unoccupied apartment. But it doesn't stop being an apartment. So it's an unoccupied sukkah. Why would you need to actually live in it to change its identity? So Rabbi Yehuda could not literally mean it matters whether it's being lived in it or not. Elolav, what Rabbi Yehuda must mean is, my endier, and what does he mean if nobody lives in the thing above, it's okay? He must mean, that if the top is, not, is, not, is inhabitable, is not fit for habitation, then it does not have a status of a sukkah. So that's his point. Okay, that makes sense. The Hechidami, now what's a classic example of not being fit for habitation? If it's less than 10 fucking high. So Rabbi Yehuda needs it to be fit for habitation. He needs it to be 10 fucking high. So presumably though the rabbis don't need any of that. And the rabbis would say even lower than 10 fucking, even unfit, as long as it's separate schach. The first opinion holds, Even if it's not fit for habitation, it's invalid. So he's basically saying, yes, yeah, Shmuel, your idea that the top one has to be a real sukkah, that works with Rebbe Yehuda. Rebbe Yehuda talks about it being fit to be inhabited. That's how we'll read Rebbe Yehuda. But the Tanakhama doesn't hold that way. Maybe he holds, as long as it's a separate schach, even if it's not a real sukkah. So that seems to be a challenge on Shmuel. So Kiyazu Revdimi Amar, when Revdimi came from Eretz Yisrael, he said, Ami b'marava, here's what they say in Eretz Yisrael. Im eina tachtona yichola l'kabel karim v'ksatot shelo yona ha-tachtona k'shera. That the idea of Reb Yehuda is not ten tfachim. Everybody agrees, let's say, according to Shmuel, that it's only a problem when it's ten tfachim high, when it's really the parameters of a separate sukkah. But here's the new idea that Reb Yehuda is demanding. It's not enough that it technically be the right parameters. It has to be habitable. Now, what does habitable mean? 
Well, li- li- like, take a look. It's a sukkah built on another sukkah schach. How habitable is that? Right? That's what you asked me yesterday. Since when can you go on into the sukkah? It'll collapse. The floor will collapse below you. So that's what Rabbi Yehuda means. A, he doesn't need people to actually live there, on the one hand. On the other hand, we could say, like Shmuel, that nobody is debating it needs to be the right parameters of a sukkah. The question is, is it enough that technically it's the right parameters, or do you actually have to be able to live in it? Will the floor collapse when you, when you walk in? So that's the issue. If the bottom one cannot be able to support, like, pillows and blankets, of the top one, then the bottom one is valid, because then the top one might have the parameters of a sukkah, but it's not structurally a sukkah. No, you can't put anything on the floor without it collapsing. Okay. So the Gemara says, Michlal, the Tanakama Savar, Alpha Bijan, Psula. That sounds like the Tanakama would hold, that even if it can't accept pillows, it's invalid. Now, it's funny that the Gemara can't say, yeah, what's the problem with that idea? Because, but the Gemara is saying that since, it seems to be asking, that since Shmuel said that it only invalidates when it's tent fachim, because only then is it a real sukkah, so the Gemara is sort of saying that how could, if sukkah, Shmuel needs a real sukkah to invalidate, then how can you argue on this idea that it has to be able to have a supporting floor? If it doesn't have a supporting floor, it's not a real sukkah, and, you know, according to Shmuel, that should make it no longer a problem. So, Fine, says the Gebarah. According to Shmuel, it does have to be able to support the floor, but it doesn't have to be able, but only, like, in a real, like, emergency situation, meaning very precariously. Okay, but if it does not have to really in a stable way be able to support it. As long as it's somewhat, we can say, has that ability, that would be enough. So where are we? The, basically, the point is like this. The how, what is this invalidity of a sukkah under a sukkah? What makes the sec- it, it a separate, you know, this thing separate? So you had the first two opinions that said it's really not like a sukkah under a sukkah, it's really about a schach under a schach. And once the thing above could be called a schach, then it, inv- then it meaning maybe it's a tefachai, then it invalidates. Um, and then Rabbi Yehuda in the Mishnah would be saying, no, it's not enough to be a separate schach. If you want to make a problem, it has to be a separate sukkah, and it has to be habitable. Fine. But Shmuel says, even the Tanakhama says, it's not a schach under a schach, it's a sukkah under a sukkah, and to invalidate it has to be ten fucking high. It has to be a real sukkah that's above. So how does that disagree with Rabbi Yehuda, who also says it has to be a real sukkah above? So you could have said that the disagreement is that according to one Shmuel, it only goes by the um, parameters. Ten fachim, technically seven by seven fachim, technically it has the right parameters of a sukkah. Where Rabbi Huda requires that it actually be able to be habitable in practice. But the Gemara understands that since Shmuel is emphasizing that the top one has to be a real sukkah, presumably Shmuel would also agree that the top one has to be habitable in practice. So it therefore makes the, the line of, the, of, the, of disagreement very, very narrow, according to Shmuel. According to Shmuel, the Tanakhama says it has to be ten fachim and maybe precariously habitable, but, you know, at a, at a stretch. Whereas according to Rabbi Yehuda, it has to be very much in a, in a stable way habitable. But it's a very small difference according to Shmuel. The other interesting thing is that it says it has to be able to support pillows and blankets. I would have said it has to be able to support a person, which is a lot heavier than pillows and blankets, right? So I don't exactly get that. Um, Rasi adds, um, by pillows and blankets, if you look at the Rasi, it starts with the words, 
it's like five lines before the, the mission in the Rashi. It's, the line starts with the word, the Kamer Reb Yehuda. And you look at the end, the end of that word, and so he says, it's not only to accept pillows and blankets, but for you to sleep on the pillows and blankets. Sort of like you're missing the mention of the most important factor. All right. Anyway, that is the invalidity of a sukkah under a sukkah. And now we get to another case. All these cases are very relevant. Not sukkah under a sukkah. No, I don't know how many people have sukkah under a sukkah. But all these cases are very... Uh, but certainly the idea of the overhanging tree. And now we're going to get to other types of things that can invalidate. Yes. About a sukkah under a sukkah, we first were discussing the stock part and how high uh, the walls of the upper sukkah are. Right. In terms of validation and validation. Right. Is this a separate discussion about in habitation, or is that also taking into consideration those other factors about the stock? One more time. You, what do you mean? I didn't follow the connection between the first discussion, which said we could have a valid sukkah under another sukkah. Right. If the top one. Doesn't, doesn't have enough schach. Right. right. This part of the discussion is, is assuming that the, that the top, assuming that the top one is a problem, that they both have sufficient schach, right. and it would in, and the top would invalidate the one below because it's a separate layer of schach. When we said the top would not invalidate the one below, it was in the scenario where the top only had a very sparse amount of schach and was not considered to be a separate layer. Sufficient on the top, the more the top is kosher, the more the one below is not kosher. Right. And that was exactly this debate. What does it require to make the top kosher to make the bottom not kosher? Does it have the top have to even be habitable, habitable to what degree? Okay? So now we turn to the issue of... um, uh, another significant issue, which is like uh, various, as we'll see, um, decorations on the sukkah and the way things can possibly invalidate the schach that are being hung from the schach. So let's take a look at the Mishnah. You spread a sheet over the schach because of the heat. The sun was beating down on you and it was too hot. And so you spread a sheet over the schach. Or you spread a sheet underneath in order to catch the falling things, like the pine needles that were falling down. I don't know if they had pine in, uh, whatever, in um, Eretz Yisrael, but whatever. To catch the little pieces of the schach that are falling down. Or let's say you have a bed in your sukkah, and you spread a sheet over, it's like a four-poster bed, and you spread a sheet over the poles at the edges of the bed. So in all those cases, it's invalid. Now, the, bo- the case when you're in a bed and you have a thing spread over that's invalid because you're sort of like under a separate, you know, roof, right? You're under the roof of your bed canopy. Um, if the, however, in the case where, in a way, you could see it's the same issue when you spread the sheet directly on the schach, under, under, you know, below or above, which is if you've got the sheet there, then it's the sheet that's proving making a roof, and it's not the schach that's making a roof. And just like, you know, we had before, you know, uh, a sook under a sukkah or a sook under a tree or a sook under a house, right? So if, you, if either the roof that, you know, case of... In the case of the sukkah, you know, a sukkah under a tree, right? You're in a kosher sukkah, but there's another schach, an invalid schach that, um, that, is, that already exists. So this is not considered a legitimate schach because it's already, you know, it, it provides more shade than sunlight. It's, inv- it's an invalid schach. In the case of the sukkah, you know, your four-poster bed in your sukkah, right here, I don't know, whatever, there's your bed and here's the canopy over it, right? 
so here the top schach is kosher but you are underneath a separate zone so whether the invalid schach is higher or lower than the kosher schach we you know that would invalidate and sim- so that the case of the sheet the sheet could be above the sheet could be below either way it's invalid schach and it's a problem so let's take a look at the Gemara Amar Lo Shanu it's only a problem if the sheet is being spread to catch the like falling uh, leaves um, if you're spreading a sheet in order to beautify the sukkah it's kosher okay now that's a radical idea because think about it for a minute underneath your entire schach you take one of these beautiful embroidered sheets or whatever and you spread it from wall to wall so your entire sort of you've got an entire sheet that is effectively serving as a roof but because it's only there to, for, to beautify and you have kosher schach above the sukkah is kosher which is like a crazy idea. But what you have to understand is, and this goes back to the first daf, that the schach does not have to functionally provide shade. It has to have the ability to provide shade. Remember, the Gemara says the schach could be so high that in theory sunlight could get right below it. Right? I mean, the 20 amo would be too high, but, you know, um, but uh, that was one opinion, you know, that, that was what was debated, whether that would be the problem of being 20 amo. But certainly the Gemara said, you could put your sukkah between these two huge mountains, and it never actually provide any shade. Right? So the schach does not necessarily have to, pro- right, provide shade in practice. It has to have the shade-giving quality to it. So even if you've got the sheet underneath it, as long as the sheet is not considered to be competing schach, like a, you know, it's not considered to be a different roof. It's really there, it's really just like, it's really there to beautify, it really there is like part of the kosher schach. It's not some other roof. Okay, it's kosher. Even in practice, the schach isn't any shape. But since it's not a separate schach, since it's part of the kosher schach, that's okay. Fascinating idea. Okay, I don't know if anybody that has, would have the chutzpah to actually put under a sheet of the entire length of the sukkah and then to dwe- sit in it, but okay. So the Gemara says, now that, for, for us, that's just a tremendous chiddish, that you can construct a sukkah where a sheet is giving you the shade, not the schach, and it's kosher. But the Gemara says, pshita, no, that's obvious. Why? It's obvious textually. Because the Mishnah says that it's a problem if the sheet is there to catch the uh, leaves but not if it's there to beautify. My, so, so well, clearly beautify would be okay. So I said, no. Maldetema, I might have thought, who had deemed that few liniosa. Maybe even to beautify it's a problem. The Haidiktani Nair Nesha, why did it give the example to catch the leaves? Or Khadamilsaktani, because that's like the normal type of reason you would spread a sheet, but that's not, wouldn't make a difference halachically. Kamash Malan said it does make a difference halachically, that if it's there to beautify, it's not a problem. Now, by the way, you could ask this question in two, you could say, ask this sort of question about how these categories are defined. It could be two ways. It could be every type of separate thing that's functionally being a separate roof is a problem. The only thing that's good when you have that scenario is something that's coming to beautify the sukkah. If it's coming to serve the needs of the sukkah and serve the needs of the schach, then it's considered to be sort of tafel, you know, like secondary and inconsequential. Um, so the only thing that makes it acceptable is when it's like noise sukkah, beautifying the sukkah. You could go the other way. You could say the only thing that makes a sheet a problem is when it specifically is there to do a roofing type of a function. Because the two things mentioned in the Mishnah, one was to block out sun, that's clearly what the purpose of a roof is, and the other is to stop things from falling on your head, which also is the normal function of a roof. So, you know, what if you spread a sheet there 
for it not to serve as a roof function, but not to beautify the sukkah, right? You were just spreading it out to get some air or something. Would it be a problem or not? Not so clear from where the Gemara is going. We will have a case like that in the Gemara. For now, it's safe <coughs> to assume that this whole idea is such a tremendous chiddish that you can have a sheath your entire, under your entire, your entire top of your sukkah. It's okay. We'll assume it's limited to cases when it's there specifically for the purpose of beautifying, which makes it considered to be sort of, you know, ancillary to the schach itself. So let's take a look at the Gemara. Let me try to give a proof to you. We have a following teaching, a tosefta, you put proper schach on your sukkah. The itra, and then you, uh, literally, you crowned it, you sort of, you know, you, you beautified it, with different types of embroidered sheets, the talabahen, and you, and you, and you suspended that from it, from the schach, egozim, shkedim, afarsikim, vrimonim, nuts, and, you know, pomegranates, and, uh, apricots, and all different types of uh, beautiful fruit, parchile anavim, or clusters of grapes, atarosh, shibalim, and little, like, uh, what do they call it, like, you know, a thing of, uh, of, of, of wheat, uh, a bunch of wheat, what, what, is there a name for that, when you have, like, a wreath of wheat, okay. Yeno to shmanim v'salatot, wines, oils, flour. That that'd be a pretty good trick to support wine from the top of your sukkah. It means obviously in some container. Anyway, a surly stuff man. So you have all of this beautiful stuff. You cannot get benefit from it. This is an idea we introduced before by the schach. Now we're introducing it by the noy sukkah, by even the things that are there as the decorations that they become hukzol mitzvaso, designated for the mitzvah. And you cannot take, you cannot say, oh, this is a beautiful uh, sheet. Let me take it down and use it as a bedspread. Oh, look at this yummy apricot hanging from the sukkah. Let me pluck it off and eat it. No, you're not allowed to benefit from it because it's part of the sukkah. Until the end of Shemini Atzeret. Even on Shemini Atzeret, you cannot eat from it because once Ben HaShemashot, between the last day of and Shemini Atzeret, it's off limits. It remains off limits the entire Shemini Atzeret. Okay, in his however, if you stipulated when you put the stuff on the sukkah and you said, I, even though I'm putting it on the sukkah, I am planning on continuing to use it and I'm not fully designating it as part of the sukkah, then, oh, your stipulation works. We'll deal later with the idea of stipulation. But this right is coming to teach you the idea something that is part of the declaration of the sukkah cannot be used for other purposes um, until after Shemiyatzeris. But one of the examples it gave was that you suspended embroidered sheets. Right? So, the Gemara says, um, so, no, Dilma Minatzad. Who says where you suspended the sheets from? It doesn't mean you suspended the embroidered sheets under the schach. Maybe they were wall hangings. So that doesn't prove anything. Okay. It marked. It was taught. Noi Tzukah. Eimimatim B'Sukah. Now we have another issue, which is, does it affect the dimensions of the Sukkah, the Noi Tzukah? If you spread a sheet underneath the schach, where, how do you measure whether you have ten tfachim? Do you go to the sheet or do you go to the schach? So the point is, yeah, the, the sheet is ancillary, so it does not affect the measurements of the, of the sukkah. You still go to the real schach. Or, let's say you have, the, you have various decorations on the walls, and you want to know, do I have a minimum size sukkah? Is it seven, tfachim, seven and a half tfachim by seven and a half tfachim? Do you go to the walls, or do you go to the habitable space, and you end at the, at the decorations? 
So the amazing teaching here is, I think it's amazing, is that you ignore the decorations when you measure the minimum amount of the sukkah. Now the reason that's amazing is, because, okay, structurally, it totally makes sense you ignore the decorations. You want to say, what are the dimensions, of the interior dimensions of a sukkah? You don't look at wall hangings or at ceiling hangings, you look at the actual wall and the actual ceiling. But if you remember before, right, the Gemara had a case where you had schach and you had like things of the schach hanging down. And they said, you can't live in it that way. If you're invading the tent tefach space, and you can't live. And also if you have a minimum, you know, area of a sukkah and it's being crammed in because of the wall hangings, how is it livable? So it's not so clear why you're allowed to ignore it, just in terms of the issue of livable space. But it says, but here the Gemara says that it does not affect the parameters. Rav Ashi comes in and makes a difference. Maybe as part of the schach, it does not change the parameters. But if you have noise sukkah hanging from the walls, then it does invalidate. Again, which is shocking because, you know, the Gemara before said if you're invading the tent Fachim, it's a problem. Okay, so, but he says no. Somehow, if, you're, if it's part of the schach, Anything that's part of the schach, you sort of push up and see as a connected to the schach. The schach is central. So everything else sort of gets ignored. But stuff that's on the walls, the walls aren't so important to the schach. The stuff on the wall, you know, it's not that you ignore the stuff hanging on the walls, and that actually can seem to change the minimum set space of the sukkah. Okay, so. Um, let's take a look. Um... Yeah, if you take a look, Rashi explains why that's true. Rashi says, "Uminatzad mematin." It's about eight lines down in the narrow lines. He says, "La mishir zayin tfachim zayin machazekes roshav ruba v'shulchana." Rashi says, "Because practically, it can no, you can no longer fit in it." The whole idea of a minimum size sukkah is that you could fit with your table, and if you have stuff on the walls, it just, even though technically it's the minimum size, it's no longer habitable. Okay, but again, the question is, and why is it any better when stuff is hanging down into the minimum height of the sukkah? You know, but that's anyway an interesting distinction the Gemara makes, that it does not change the dimensions of a sukkah, doesn't it change it functionally? Yes, but for some reason we're only worried about that from the side and not from the roof. Okay, now let's go a little bit further. Menimim, Avdi Ravashi, so Menimim, the servant of Ravashi, it's Mishale Kitunta Bimaya. His uh, cloak um, um, got uh, submerged in water. Um, and he spread it on the roof of the sukkah to dry out, right? Put it out on the sun. Amale Ravashi, Ravashi said to him, Dalye, take it down. People shouldn't think I'm using it as chach. Okay? So take it down. The Mer says, but people aren't going to say that. They'll see that it's wet. They'll realize that you're not using it as schach. They'll realize that it's just up there to, um, you know, to, what do you call it? To dry out. So the Mer says, No, I mean, once it does dry out, then you'd better take it down because then people will not think it's there to dry and they'll think I'm really using it as schach. Now, this is interesting to the question I raised before. When it's wet, says the Gemara, seems to be, it's not a problem. People won't misinterpret it, okay? So that's very nice that people won't misinterpret it, but won't it still be a problem because you'll have a, 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 a garment on top of your sukkah? Who cares that you're doing it to dry out, right? So, wonderful. You're not doing it for the sake of schach, but isn't it, in fact, invalidating the schach below it, right? So here might be this idea that I was saying that maybe not, maybe 
that, that's like the case of Noi Sukkah. Maybe once it is not there to serve as a roof, it's, you know, it's, in, it's inconsequential. So that is the question. Does something have to be there to be decoration, to be considered secondary to the schach and inconsequential? Or as long as it's not there doing the roof function, if it's there to dry out on the top, that also makes it inconsequential and not a problem. It sounds that way a little bit from this Gemara. It sounds that if people would not misinterpret it, it would not create a problem. Okay, so let's keep on going. Um, it says like, now, Itmar, noi sukkah muslagi mimenu arba'ah. Now this is a very important case, comes up all the time. So, at w- to what degree could something be considered to be sort of, you know, secondary and inconsequential to the schach? So, here it says, and this a little bit echoes the earlier discussion of like two schachs and to what degree is something a separation that it no longer it can be considered, you know, that it has its own identity. So if you have decorations hanging down, right, if they hang down far enough away from the schach, they can't be just considered like, oh, you know, they're just like part of the schach, they're inconsequential. Then they become their own thing, and then they become a separate roof, okay? And therefore, at what stage would there, what state, what degree of separation from the schach, if it's being suspended, is enough to make them consider their own entity any problem? So, noi sukkah hamuflagi mimenu arbaat. It's four tfachim separate. Rav Nachman Amar Kshayra, it's still valid. What do I care? It's still Noi Sukkah. Rav Chizda, Rav Baravuna, Amitsula. No, at that stage, you can't just say, oh, it's inconsequential, it's part of the schach, ignore it. At that stage, it's its own separate thing, and therefore, if you're directly under it, it might be a problem. You know, people will have this issue. You're sitting in the sukkah, but I've got this piece of de- uh, this sukkah decoration right directly on top of me. Is it a problem? Now, the question is, let's say it is more than four tzvachim. What does it do? Does it make it like there's a hole in the schach above? Is it only a problem if itself is wide enough to be its own roof? You know, it's sort of serving as a separate roof. Exactly what type of a problem it creates is like a separate issue. But the first point is, it can create, it can create a problem once it gets its own identity. Okay? So now we're going to have a case. Um, Rav Chizda, who said that it, uh, Rabbi Barafuna, who said that it was no good, they came to the house of the Reish Galusa. The Reish Galusa was the political head, the Jewish political head of the Jews in Gullus. And Reish Galusa, Rav Nachman, basically was an Avdestin, it was the Avdestin, and he had like, and he was like the authority in house of the, of the house of the Reish Galusa. So it's quite, so here's the scenario. The two rabbis who said when it's fourth Tzachim separate, it's a problem came to the house of the Reish Galusa where the, in, where, the, where the rabbi on duty, the in-house rabbi, was Rav Nachman who said it's not a problem. Okay? So, Agninahu Rav Nachman besukah shenoyaps muflagin yimenu arbatzvachim. So they came on sukkahs. So Rav Nachman made a point of putting them to sleep because you have to sleep in a sukkah, right? So they couldn't just say, oh, no, thanks, we're not hungry, we ate already. Now they came and they were staying over for the night and it was sukkahs. So he sent them to the sukkah that had had the, you know, decorations for its fucking removed, okay, to obviously make a point. This is kosher. You don't have a choice. I'm forcing you to do this to conceive me, which is pretty, like, strong-arm tactics. You know, and he's got the whole Reishkalusa's army, you know, or whatever, police force behind him. So, like, really talk about, like, you know, uh, about religious coercion. 
Okay, below Amram, maybe, maybe he was expecting them to get into a fight, you know, to argue with him, and he still wanted to bring the matter up. He wasn't going to force them to do it, but let's at least say maybe, they, maybe he wanted to force the issue, to bring up the, the issue. Anyway, um, they were silent, they didn't say anything, and they went and slept in the sukkah. So Amalehu, he said to them, it seems that the rabbis, you, have uh, retracted your position. You now agree to me, right? So you're, you're going to say, oh, no, it was like we, you know, we were in the house of the Rachelusa. Yeah. Very nice. I, you've already agreed to me. So Amalehu, they had a good comeback. Anan, shluchei mitzvah, anan, uktuminasukah. No, we're doing, we're going, we're traveling for a mitzvah. Rashi says, what was the mitzvah? To greet the Reish Kalusa, you know, we're traveling for this, so we're anyway exempt from a sukkah, so ha, we got you. All right, so that was a cute little story. Um, let's read a little bit, though, because we started late, we'll get a little bit further. Amarad Yudam Shmuel says, Rabbi Manim Shmuel, Mutalisha and Bekila Besukkah, Afok Yushay Shlagah, Behu Sha'ina Gavoa Asara. So this case of being in a bed in a sukkah, right? So here, I'll draw a better picture for what it's worth. Here's your bed, and on top of your bed you've got its own, you know, its own like canopy. Yeah. We'll have you lying in your bed. I don't know what that is. The arms in the middle of your body. Okay. Anyway, here you are on your bed under your own little bed canopy. So we said in the Mishnah that that was no good. Okay. He right because you're under a separate roof. He is going to come to actually um, limit that. Um, right. Oh, did I finish explaining that Mishnah? No, you said it was too close to the, the Did I not read that line in the Mishnah? No. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. So anyway, let's go back to the Mishnah. I apologize. I was in too big of a rush to get to this case. So let's read the Mishnah again. If you put the sheet on top of it for the sun or below it to catch the falling. Oh, or you spread the sheet on top of like the four posters, like the poles, psul avabed, psulat and vabed. What you can do is spread it over a, like, a teepee, the single poles of a bed. So if your bed basically looks like this, there's you sleeping on your bed. So if your bed basically has a single pole and you spread it, then it creates a teepee, okay? Right? If it has, not a single, but one in the middle, right, two poles, not four, and you spread it over... Yeah. It's got two poles and it's got a bar across. So your sheet is going to be spread over a single bar across. And that type of a case, you're, you're under a teepee. And that's okay because there's not a tefah width here, so it's not its own roof. Even though in practice you're completely covered, but you're completely covered by leaning walls. It's what it looks like. It's sort of like being in a circle between mountains. The shade of the leaning walls is covering you, but there's no roof on top because it comes to a point, and that's actually okay. It's only a problem when you've got this four-poster thing, and then, then you're under an actual separate roof, okay? So that's what the Mishnah says. Being in the sukkah with a, with a um, tent is not a problem if there's no roof. It is a problem if the top you know, is well, it's like a tefach wide, and then it's considered to be a distinct roof. Okay, so with that in mind, yes, let's see, got that now? Okay, so let's see now how we're going to try to limit that. So, Amar of Yudam Shmuel, says Rav Yudam Shmuel, 
you actually can sleep in a four-poster bed on sukkah under a canopy. Even though it has canopy. As long as it's not ten tzvachim high off the ground. Because if it's ten tzvachim high off the ground, only like the earlier discussion of sukkah takas sukkah, it's only considered to be a separate roof if it's ten tzvachim off of the ground. But if it's within ten tzvachim of the ground, then it's like a blanket. It's not like a roof. Okay? So this gets right. You should see how this echoes the point before about when is the hop top sukkah considered a separate schach. So here you're in a roof underneath the schach in a separate roof. When is this considered to be like you're in a different domain and you're in a separate zone and this roof creates its own domain underneath it? And when is it considered to be like nah, it's just like a blanket on top of you? You're not under a separate roof. So he says as long as it's less than ten him, even though it effectively is a canopy, it's not a problem. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Um, Tashma, come in here. Hayashem b'kila b'sukkah, lo yafi de'chovasa. Right? If you have a brighter, which effectively says what the Mishnah says, if you're under a canopy in a sukkah, you didn't fulfill your obligation. So he has an obvious answer. Hachamayaskim b'shikavasa. Fine, that's exactly what I'm saying. That case is when it's higher than ten tzvachim off the ground, but lower than ten tzvachim is not a problem. Meisvei, I'll ask you on this. Hayashem takas amita b'sukkah, lo yafi de'chovasa. We have a mission that says if you sleep under a bed in the sukkah, you're not the okay, right? Like saying you sleep under a table, okay? Because then the table is your roof. That's a separate roof. If you sleep under a bed, you didn't fulfill your fulfill. Now, we presumably, most beds, the underside of the bed is within 10 tzvachim of the ground, right? It's within three feet of the ground. So according to you, why should that be a problem? The roof you're under is not 10 tzvachim off the ground. The bottom of the bed is not 10 tzvachim off the ground. Fine. No, it's a special bed that has that that you know that it is ten tzvachim off the ground, and the underside of the bed is higher than ten tzvachim, which is definitely a stretch. Okay, but we're trying to assert this position that being under a separate roof is not a problem if it's within ten tzvachim. It's pretty radical if you think about it. How the Gemara pulls back from the simple sense of the Mishnah, right? It's, the Mishnah says if you got a sheet on your schach, it's no good. But says ah. But if it's for ornamentation, it is good. So it has you basically has a sheet totally covering your schach. That's okay. The Mishnah says if you're under a canopy, it's no good. The Mishnah says yes, but if the canopy is lower than ten tzvachim, it is good. So um, um, I'm sorry. This is my thought. You just have to pause first. So the Gemara has now said that what was that, that what the Mishnah said was was invalid would be valid if it's less than ten tzvachim off the ground, and even though the case of being under a bed clearly seems to be that case, the Gemara is saying it doesn't have to be. That could also be only a problem when it's higher than ten tzvachim. So the Gemara says like this: Tarshma coming here. Oh, appears agave kinofos psula. So this, if you put, that's our Mishnah. If you spread it on top of these, you know, posters, the poles of the bed, it's invalid. Alright, yeah, again, when it's ten fucking high, that's all the cases when it's invalid, it's only when it's ten fucking high. Where it says, the ha look tani hachi, we didn't teach that way in the Brighta. The Tanya, the Brighta says, Naklitin Shnayim. What's the difference of the Naklitin, which is a good canopy? Because those are only two poles with, you know, a bar across, and when you spread the sheet, it's a keeping. That's okay. Kinofot the kinofot, which is no good, is arba'a, is four poles. And then when you spread the canopy over it, you've got a real roof on top. That is a bright explaining the Mishnah. Um, 
Pires agave kinofos psula, and therefore if you spread on top of the kinofos, the four poles, it's invalid because you create a real canopy above your bed. Agave nakuidin sheva, but on the two poles and the single pole, you know, pole across, it's okay because you've only done a teepee and not a real separate canopy, separate roof. Ubilvad sheloyu nakuidin gavoin binamita asara. The brighter that says that only when when is the two poles okay, the teepee okay, when it's not ten fucking high. But when it is ten fucking high, even the teepee is no good. Okay, so this is exactly the opposite of what was Rav Yudah was saying, right? That Rav Yudah was saying you need two things for it to be no good. You need it to be a canopy, a real roof, and hence fucking high. Only with those two combined is it no good. So Brayta says, ah, 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 it's either or. If you have a if you have a real roof, it's no good even if it's low. And if you have ten fucking high, then it's no good even if it's a TP. One or the other is sufficient to invalidate. As opposed to Rav Yudah that says only when you have both combined is it invalid. Okay, so we'll end here with that question and pick up tomorrow to see how it answers whether it's invalid only with both criteria or invalid with just one of the criteria.